Good morning, Core Church. Jason Law here. Uh, I want to say thank you to Pastor Brad, Pastor Laura, for having me in and being able to share with you all today. Uh, it's been a privilege getting to know uh, Pastor Brad over the last couple of years and your all's involvement right here in Tulsa with the Unite My City initiative. Um, you guys have just been a part of a bigger picture of what God is doing in the city and just amazing to hear what God's doing in here. I tell you what, like just even looking at these names, those names that were scrolling on the screen, when Pastor Brad asked me to come in, he goes, would you talk about sharing Christ? And then actually tuned in. And so Pastor Brad, so you know, I watched Vision Sunday for Court Church and I thought, what more could I say? I thought, what an incredible plan and a strategy that you all have now been equipped with. You got names up here, you're praying for these people. Man, you guys know that you're going to intercede for people, you're going to invest, and you're going to inform. Just a beautiful strategy for reaching our community. And so today, I kind of want to hit maybe uh, just go a little bit different direction on sharing Christ. And I want to talk about our lives in general. You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 2 through 3, I'm just going to use this to set this up real quick. It says this, it says, the only letter of recommendation we need is you yourselves. Your lives are a letter written in our hearts. Everyone can read it and recognize our good work among you. Clearly, you are a letter. If Watching right now, just simply say, I am a letter. Your life is a letter. People around you are reading your life. Your life in of itself, everything that you are about, your family, your business, your minute when you come to church, driving down the street, your life is a letter. That'll bring some accountability. From Christ showing the results of our ministry among you. The letter is written not with pen and ink, but with the spirit of the living God. It is carved out, carved not on tablets of stone, but on human hearts. This is our lives. You know, we were in Iraq. Uh, we've been working in the country of Iraq since 2002. Been there for a number of years. In 2014, when ISIS came rolling through, and, and you guys know the story, wiped out a lot of people, targeted the Yazidi people. We were over there doing an outreach, and we were providing food and sleeping mats and blankets and anything you can think of, shoes. We've provided so much resource through the local churches over there in Iraq just to reach these people who have been displaced. And one time we were over there, and we were doing some kids outreach. I actually had some of the soccer players from Oral Roberts University with me uh, right here from the city of Tulsa, and we were doing soccer camps or over there, football camps, for young refugee children who have been living in tents for years. And it was about 114, 120 degrees. And so we left the, the soccer guys doing their thing. I had another team and we were out doing uh, outreaches with some of the churches there. And one of our translators, we had so much going on, we had to have translators who weren't saved yet. And so this is interesting. They're gonna be uh, uh, following us and they're gonna be translating things and we're gonna be trying to share the gospel. We're gonna be talking about Jesus. This is gonna be a challenge. Nonetheless, we didn't have a lot to pick from over there in the cities that we were targeting. And so I had a gentleman named Aram with me, sharp guy, works in the banking industry there, understands English very well. And we were driving uh, to the destination that we were gonna go to. And he looked at me, he said, you know, why are you over here doing this? Why, why are all these people from America over here? It's dangerous. Your guys' lives could be on the line. There's people who believe like me, and they think that they're doing God a favor if they kill you. And it's just dangerous. Why would you leave your family? And Because we, we were talking about our family. He said, why would you leave your wife and your children to come over here and do this? And it was a perfect opportunity, God moment that just teed it up for me. And I just said, because God loves you. 
and God loves me, and we love you. It was a simple, simple gospel message. It wasn't so much the words that I had the opportunity to share with him in that moment. It was what we were doing. It was the bigger picture of our lives. It was the bigger picture of the team that we had that began to minister to him. The Holy Spirit began to minister to his heart. The Bible says the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, and God began to lovingly work on his heart just because he saw love in action. I'd love to tell you that Arnhem gave his life to the Lord on that trip. He didn't, but he did. About three weeks later, after I got home on a Zoom call, I had the opportunity to lead Arnhem to Jesus. Today, he is planted in a church in northern Iraq, helping to now lead that church and disciple people as a former Muslim. But our lives are a representation. We are living epistles. We are a living book read by all men. So we share Christ more than just with our words. I believe words are important. We're supposed to preach, proclaim, talk, share the gospel message with our mouth. But even more than that, the reflection of our lives are designed to bring glory to God. I wanna take a moment and dive into a picture of the life of Jesus on earth. And this is out of chapter, Matthew chapter nine. And I believe this is a highlight reel, Matthew nine is, of the life of Jesus. He is literally performing miracles after miracles. He recruits Matthew, the tax collector. He raises the little girl from the dead. He's healing people. The Bible says he's going around from place to place and he's preaching in the synagogue. So he is rolling. He is doing ministry at a very high level. And then in Matthew 35, it says this. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. That's phenomenal. When he saw the multitudes or he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I believe this was a moment in the life of Jesus where he is rolling, he is fulfilling the calling, the purpose that God sent him to the earth to do. And then he sees a crowd of people. He just stops in his tracks and he's looking. There's women that are going to the marketplace with their children. There's vendors on the streets. They're doing life. And he stops for a minute. And I believe this might be a moment in the life of Jesus on earth where he saw his purpose. He saw people who were tired, who were confused, who were anxious, who were just struggling, who were oppressed, who were depressed. And he began to see them through a different lens. He began to see them through his purpose of why he was coming to become their shepherd. They were like sheep having no shepherd. I believe this is the world that we've lived in over the last 18 months. And I believe it's a world that we've lived in for a number of years, but the last year I think revealed, it's pulled back the curtain, and it's allowed us to see a hurting people. It's allowed us to see a crowd of people who are anxious, who are fearful, who are full of doubt. There's uncertainty in the world. And honestly, I think there's people in the church that have been like that. It might even be you. And I want you to know that we have a lead shepherd, the Prince of Peace, that guards our hearts and our minds beyond our understanding. But this is the world we live in right now, and no better time in history or maybe in our lifetime do we actually have an opportunity by how we live our lives to share Christ. The world is in a complete turmoil. In Iran this last year, when we were shut down. I couldn't travel almost all of last year internationally. And our teams, because we work through the local church in every country that we work in, we have staff in China, staff in Myanmar, uh, high-level partnerships for years in the Middle East. Our work didn't stop. We kept rolling. We got ways to get resources there. They're trained, they're equipped, and we just kept moving forward. So we didn't really miss a beat. 
And so I want to share with you what happened in Iran last year and where we are right now. For a number of years, we smuggled Bibles into Iran. It's illegal to propagate in Iran. Um, it's a 99% Muslim nation. It's one of the most restricted or hostile nations in the entire world. But we have smuggled in over 164,000 Bibles into that country as of today. And last year, during the pandemic, our numbers of people reaching out and requesting information about Jesus, asking for a Bible, increased by 50%. In a typical month on our social media platforms in the Middle East or in Iran, we will get somewhere between 400 and 500 requests. Somebody saying, hey, I'm, I want a Bible. I want to know more about Jesus. Or maybe somebody just gave their life to Jesus and they don't have a Bible and they want a Bible. They want that physical Bible. We get that to them. We usually get four to 500 a month. Last year, we were getting somewhere between 900 and 1,200 requests every single month. We moved over 39,000 Bibles into the hands of people in Iran. And we say, hey, why physical Bibles? Because every physical Bible mobilizes somebody like you in the house church in Iran with a one-on-one -on -one ministry opportunity. They get to hand deliver that Bible to somebody who reached out on social media. We're partnered with an Iranian TV network. They get phone calls of people giving their life to the Lord. Man, we go boots on the ground and we show up at their door in their, in their community through the house church network there and we give them a Bible. It brings a personal connection and an opportunity for them to share the gospel face to face and invite them to be a part of a local church family. That's why we do physical Bibles. We are just been given 45,000 more Bibles for this year. Each one of these numbers that I'm talking about represents a person. But 50% increase in the most restricted or hostile nation in the world. You tell me what's going on in the world right now that people aren't hungry. People are searching for truth. It's tough to find truth right now. We can't believe any report that we hear in the news. People are hungry for truth. There's only one truth. There's only one truth. And we have that answer. Let's go on with verse uh, 38. Jesus says this. He says to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. This is the famous passage of scripture when we're talking about missions growing up that we would use to recruit more people. And on Vision Sunday, Pastor Brad laid out a beautiful strategy of how we're going to turn that funnel upside down and we're about to mobilize workers into the harvest field. Let's keep going here. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. Not only have you been commissioned by your lead pastor, you've been commissioned by the head of the church to go and do this. You know what to do. We're praying for these names. There's a strategy that's been laid out in front of you. And I want to talk to you this morning, not about more workers, but I want to talk to you about the few. Who were the few? I've always read this and I wondered, who are the ones that were already out there? Who are the ones that already knew what to go and do? They took the initiative. They weren't passive. They were active followers of Jesus. They weren't the ones that wanted to duplicate Google. They wanted to be Google. They didn't want to be the next Uber. They wanted to be Uber. There's an edge to these people. There's a character trait about these people. There's an attitude to these people. And I believe these are the types of people, the type of person that God has called you to be. He's called me to be. He's called the church to be. And so I want to roll through a few Bible characters this morning, if we will, and discover some character traits of who are the few. I believe you are one of the few. Joshua and Caleb, you guys know the story of the Israelites. They're sent in to spy the land. How many people came back with a negative report? Ten. 
How many people came back with a positive report? Two, Joshua and Caleb are some of the few. David is a great image of one of the few. He shows up to the, the, to the battle. An entire army is sat idle in, in fear of one man. And little shepherd boy David goes and slays the giant. He's one of the few. Esther is one of the few. Rahab is one of the few. Hides the spies. She was a prostitute. God ended up using, she is the part of the lineage of Jesus now. I believe Gideon is one of the few. The 12 disciples, Jesus started the church with 12 people. One of the few. There's something about the few that we can learn from in Scripture. In the Old Testament, anytime that Israel would get scattered, they would disobey God, something would happen. God always left a remnant of his people to rebuild and to accomplish his purposes with. There's something about the few that we can learn from. I'm going to give you three quick points this morning because that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to give a three-point sermon, so we're going to do that this morning. So you got some, the black and white thinkers have some notes. The few see things differently. They see things differently. Joshua and Caleb, when they entered that promised land, we call it the promised land, they simply entered land that they saw through the lens of God's promise. The majority of the people entered the land, and they saw the land through their natural senses. And as a result, fear and doubt and anxiety entered their minds, and they spread that fear through an entire community, causing a generation to miss the purpose of God for their life. I believe this is where the church is today. A lot of people are full of fear, doubt, and anxiety, and they're looking at things through the natural senses, and they're going to miss the purpose. They're going to miss the promise that God has for their life because they don't take God at his word. This is what Joshua and Caleb decided. I'm going to take God at his word. You guys remember the story of Peter when he's fishing? And he, and he fished all night, and he comes back. And Jesus says, hey, throw out your nets. He's like, you got to be kidding me. I fished all night, and what do you know about fishing for fish, by the way? And he says, what? Nevertheless, at your word. And Peter experiences the power of Jesus, the promise of Jesus. We've got to start taking God at his word. I think there's too much of a casual approach to what we hold in our hands, whether digitally or physically, God's word, his promise, his truth, and what it says about us. The few see things differently. They look through a lens of God's promise. In what areas of your life are you believing the word of man over the word of God? What is holding you back from being disciple makers, from being people that are gonna go, that are gonna lead some of these people to the Lord? Those names on the screen. What is holding you back? Are you believing thoughts of doubt, maybe of what other people might think about you? We thought that was something we dealt with in junior high or high school. I'm 41 and it still rolls around in my mind, so I can't be the only adult that thinks like that. Is that what we're afraid of? What is holding us back? What lens are we looking through? Number one, the few see things differently. Number two, the few take action. David rolled up. There's an entire army of men. He's like my size, okay? He's like my guy for 5'8 and 160 people. Like, you're, you're the small man of the Bible. He rolls up to an army of men that are probably mainly twice his size, 
and basically calls them cowards. Walks up to Goliath, how dare you defy my God? There was a different attitude about David. There was something different. He immediately was willing to take action to eliminate that giant. For you, a giant might be, man, I, I don't want to invite somebody to my core group. I don't, I don't even want to, that person keeps complaining at work. And I know I just want to pray for them. I know God has stirred something in my heart to pray over them that would speak light into that dark situation. But I just don't want to. I don't want to be that guy. That might be your giant. And you slay that one giant and God's going to open up the floodgates of ministry in your life. This is what God wants to do in the church right now. This is what God wants to do in core church right now. And darn it, he wants to do it in the whole city of Tulsa. He wants his church to waken up. There's a different attitude. There's a different spirit about who we are. They are designed to take action. Joshua and Caleb literally tore their clothing. And you know what Jesus, what God, Jesus, what God said about them? He says, Caleb has a different attitude than the others have. He has remained loyal to me, so I will bring him into the land that he has explored. He has remained loyal to God's word. He has remained loyal to his promise, to his instruction. He drove a stake into the ground and said, no, we get to take that land because God said we get to take that land. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it sounds like. I don't care what I feel like. Jesus, or God said, I get to take that land. Man, is God calling something out in you? Just preparing for this message, he's calling stuff out in me. The few take action because we understand the authority we have. And I want to remind you this morning that there's an authority that we get to walk in. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 28 before he sent his disciples to go reach the world. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. This sounds like a vanilla want, 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 want missions verse. Baptizing the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Do you think when Jesus said go, that he meant go, do you think there's an authority on Jesus? Well, I tell you, when he said go, there was a transition of authority that came from heaven to Jesus that he extended on his people. Guess what's on you today? His authority. You get to walk in the authority. Not only does he have it, he has been given that authority and he gave that authority to us. There's too many people that are looking for permission or some type of doctrinal education to simply go and share Christ when you have already been commissioned by the head of the church and your pastor a few weeks ago. So understand the authority that you have and the authority that's on God's word when you speak light into somebody's situation. Man, the Holy Spirit's gonna remind you of his word. That's why it's so important to to be in the Bible, to understand, to have some, some scripture hidden in your heart because you know where the Holy Spirit draws that out to your remembrance is out of your heart. So you're ready to speak in, speak life into dark situations. You're ready to pray a prayer that is is full of faith, that's got some substance to it. When you're meeting with somebody who needs some help, you are God's plan. You are his design to reach the world, and we have to understand the authority that we have. Acts chapter 1-8, another famous passage of scripture. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. There's an interesting order here. You will receive the Holy Spirit, and 
you will be my witnesses. The Holy Spirit is what gives us power. I honestly believe without the Holy Spirit who teaches us, he reminds us of things, he shows us things to come, he forewarns us, he forearms us, he's our comforter. These are all promises and roles of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Without that, good luck. Good luck for us. I thank God that we have the gift and the seal of the Holy Spirit in our life. Putting him center stage and allowing him to lead us into situations, allowing him to fill our mouths and our minds with what to say. He is upon you is what the Bible says. 2 Timothy 1, 6 through 7. We're talking about, again, not being passive, but active followers of Jesus. This is why I remind you, this is Paul writing to Timothy, and he's remembering the faith that Timothy had, okay? So this is the context of this letter to him. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and of love and of self-discipline. Well, God's no respecter of persons. If he did that for Timothy, he's gonna do it for you. There's a gift on the inside of you. The kingdom of God, 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, the kingdom of God is not just in talk, it is living. It is living, it is life by God's power. We live by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you understand that there's salvation on your lips? The gospel message is ready to roll out of your mouth. There's healing in your hands. Man, there's favor that surrounds you. It guards you like a shield. It goes before you and it prepares the way. This week, you're gonna experience some of that favor in business meetings or at work. There's a favor about you. There's something different about you. There's a spirit about you. You are one of the few. God created us, Ephesians chapter two, for 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ for us to do good things that he planned long ago. God works through you. He works through me. There's too much ideology in the church that says, well, God can do anything. God can take care of that. Well, no, God can't lie. There's no shadow of turning in God. Well, God can do it. No, God can't do anything without us. And I know that sounds arrogant, but there's plenty of people, trust me, around the world that are doing amazing things without God. God's purpose in his design is you. You are one of the few. There's a different attitude. There's a different spirit about you. And I wanna challenge you this morning to start seeing yourself that way, to see things differently, to see what situation you're in in life through the lens of God's word, through his promise. There's a favor about your life. There's a power about your life to do and to go and do great things. I've got to hustle. The last point is the few are motivated by love. This also sounds like another cliche, cheesy church point, but the point I want to make about love, yes, it's patient, it's kind, it's humble, it does not parade itself, it's not boastful, but love also rejoices in truth. And I want to remind you, this gospel that we've signed up to share, listen to what Jesus says about it, because he is the gospel. He is the word made flesh. He says this, don't imagine that I came to bring peace to the earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. I have come to set man against a father and a daughter against a mother and a daughter-in-law against a mother-in-law. Your enemies will be right in your own household. The point I want to make is the truth is cutting. We might get accused of being narrow-minded. It's narrow-minded. It just is. It's cutting. It cut us out of the world and it put us into the kingdom of God. Jesus prayed, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're to be in the world but not of the world. The whole world, Romans says this, all the world is waiting for the revealing of the sons of man. 
Who are the sons of man? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 that peacemakers shall be called the sons of men. We may not be able to bring peace to every political or war situation, but we can bring peace in the midst of those situations to people's minds, their spirit, their emotions through this gospel message. We're in it, but we're not of it. We can have peace in it, but we don't have to let it affect us. We affect it. This is the spirit that rests in the few. This morning, there might be people that are, are watching right now. You're sitting in your, in your home, watching online. You might be by yourself. You might be with a group of people. But something that I've said this morning resonates with you that ah, maybe I've been a little bit timid. Maybe I've been a little bit passive. Maybe I've been complacent. Or here's a big one. Pastor Brad and I talked about this the other day. Maybe we're indifferent. Maybe we've come so focused on our soul, our mind, our will, and emotions, which God heals and restores that, don't get me wrong, but that also can become a roadway or a pathway to a selfish lifestyle. It's a lot of focus on ourself. Maybe we're indifferent. Maybe we don't care anymore. I've been there. Man, I want to ask you to awaken. God wants to do something through you. You are one of the few. You are a David. You are an Esther. Man, you are a Moses. You're a Joshua and a Caleb. There's a different attitude. There's a different spirit about you. Whether you recognize it or not, I'm telling you there's a different spirit about you. There's a different spirit about us that the world needs. I just want to pray for you this morning uh, as we close, and then Pastor Brad's going to come up. God, I just thank you, Father, for your word. God, I thank you, Father, for the power of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. God, for people who are watching right now, God, that might be struggling with doubt, God, unbelief. Maybe they disqualified themselves because of, of their past or they feel unqualified because their lack of education. God, I just pray for those people that they understand that who they are in Christ. God, I thank you that you're a God that uses people that are that wouldn't be expected. God, Moses stuttered and you used him before a king. God, David committed adultery, but God, you restored him and Israel had great years ahead of him. God, Rahab was a prostitute, but you used her to accomplish your purposes. So God, I pray, Father, for anybody that feels disqualified right now. God, I remind them and I pray that you remind them through the Holy Spirit that they are qualified, they are equipped to do the very thing that you've called them to do in the name of Jesus, amen.